0: Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Fichels, and it's a pleasure to have you here. We have another solo episode coming at you today with yours truly. And to be honest, it's not a necessarily easy one to record. (laughs) It's an episode and a topic that I've wanted to talk about fully, but haven't had necessarily the words for. I suppose, and that is my eating disorder disorder journey. Uh, now, some of you may be thinking, "Yes, but Emily, you talk about eating disorders all the damn time. We know your story." And while that is true, it's also not. You see, I've realized recently that I am very good at being vulnerable and open when I still feel in control, and you know, I realized I was doing this by only sharing snippets of my story when it seemed appropriate, right? So usually in conversation with someone else on the podcast or sharing a present-day struggle on Instagram, but I've never been able to just share the full story. And for a while, I thought, you know, what good does sharing in that god-awful time of my life, like what good does that have? Like, what good does that do for anyone else listening? And then it just hit me, you know, I share the stories of others all the time. Like, it's the purpose of this podcast, and the result of that is getting so many beautiful messages from you all about how the episode resonated with you, and hearing that this person struggles made a positive impact on your life, right? It's the, the art of reflecting. We're reflecting back something that you need to understand or see about your own life. And yet, I was afraid to share my own story in that sense. So here we go. We're diving right on in. <laughs> so once upon a time, I was a very happy child. I would socialize with literally anyone and everyone had lots of friends, I couldn't care less about how I looked, I was just like a little go happy lucky child. And then my mom died, and I was battling depression and anxiety and grief and just so much more as an overly sensitive, highly emotional, and rather intelligent 10-year-old, i.e. I wasn't handling it well at all. <laughs> and um, being so depressed, about my mom, I began to quite literally eat my emotions. Food was a distraction. It was an escape. It made me feel safe. Uh, It was like a safety blanket for me. And so naturally, I gained weight. You know, it would then be about eight months later, you know, eight months of me eating my emotions and quite literally, probably, you know, looking back, they were like, small binges. Like I was just so obsessed with food and it felt safe. And so for those about eight months between when my mom passed and when I would begin middle school, I was just eating and eating and gaining weight and not even thinking about it though. But then as I started to sort of near that start of middle school, you know, you know how that goes. Like that time, things start to shift. It's when friendships start to divide and Boys start looking at girls and girls start looking at boys or any sort of attraction, not just heterosexual, I suppose. And so naturally, I became hyper aware of the fact that my body was not like my friend's. And it was the first time I can remember actually feeling bad about my body. And I was suddenly very aware of my stomach rolls and of the extra skin, fat, weight on my body very aware of it like I had never been before. And I've shared this before and, you know, I'll share it again. I also started to remember that, you know, when I was eight or nine, forget which exactly, you know, when my mom was still alive, we had gone to the doctor. He had mentioned like, hey, she's over her ideal BMI, was like, tossed the word overweight around. And so, you know, I had heard that but hadn't thought anything of it until this time, right? It all clashed together. This sudden awareness of my body brought on by starting middle school, um, my depression and grief, and then that long lost thought of the doctor diagnosing me, right, pretty much as being overweight and not fit. And on top of that all, the metaphorical cherry on top of this shit show of a Sunday, I had this crazy irrational fear of death and more so of cancer. Because I saw it as this uncontrollable beast that stole people I loved. And I was convinced, like absolutely convinced, that I would get it and then die. And I wouldn't be able to control that. And so anyway, this all just started really like this crusade. That's what I'll call it, a crusade to health. And I was on a mission. Nothing was going to stop me. And so what happened is that I started to use the internet and Pinterest, and magazines. Mind you, this is back in 2011-ish. Yeah, 2011-ish. So media was different back then, Um, and I used all these sources to educate my 11-year-old self on how to be quote-unquote healthy. I would search for things quite literally like how to prevent cancer, what foods prevent cancer, how much should I weigh to not get cancer, how to lose said weight, and the list went on and on, right? Like those are not things that eleven-year-olds should necessarily be too concerned with. I don't think this goes for anyone listening, right? Like you don't have to have a crazy irrational fear of death and cancer, but it's just to show the fact that you know, as we're children, these thoughts get put on us, and then we have the capability to then research and or quote-unquote research, right? Like we're we're going to health websites and all this crap to find, you know, diets and to really be told like, what food should I eat? What exercises should I do? So I just mentioned that part to show like how easy it is for anyone to get a hold of this information that's not always correct or good to get a hold of. And I was just so obsessed with it. I would save pins for workouts and meals um, that would either prevent cancer or burn calories um, because that's all I could think about. To lose weight, to be healthy, and never get cancer. And in the meantime, look good while I'm at it. Am I right? Well, that's all wrong, right? Like, we can now see how batshit crazy that is. But as children, or as anyone, honestly, if you haven't been opened to the world of disordered eating, you don't think any of that is batshit crazy. You think it's perfectly okay to be You don't even recognize at times the obsession with, I want to lose weight, I want to be healthy, I want to look good, I want to yada yada, like the list goes on and on. And so as I mentioned above, as you know, I was that, I I didn't see how obsessive this was, I didn't see how crazy this was, I was just on a mission. I was super focused and I knew what I wanted and so I went all in. And so before long, I was doing it all, you know, as a child, as an 11 year old. I was tracking everything I consumed, every calorie burned. I was eating low-fat, low-calorie, all that shit. I was exercising multiple times a day. I was weighing myself multiple times a day. Like, it becomes one big cycle, and that's what it was for me. It was one big safe cycle where I felt like I was in complete control. Everything was data-driven. It was easy to manipulate. And it became my new focus so that I could no longer feel that depression or anxiety. And we all know now, if you listen to the show, you know as well as I do from talking to so many wonderful guests and professionals in this field that it's all a false narrative. There is no control in a disorder, in an eating disorder, or with disordered eating. Because your mind, the disordered eating mind and habits and thoughts... Are controlling you. So it creates a false sense of control. Uh, this cycle feels safe because it's, you know, like there's no change. There's no growth. There's no evolution. You're just stuck in an endless loop. And so as that continued for me, I did reach my goal weight, but that wasn't enough because we all know, right? Like anyone who's been in this cycle knows how addictive it is. Your brain becomes stuck on this feedback loop of weight loss, weight loss and more weight loss and it's fueled by the societal standards uh, such as when clothes suddenly fit you better or people start to compliment you or you start to look more like the people on magazines and in the media and so it's this feedback loop telling your mind ding 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 you're doing something right keep going keep going keep going diet culture starts the cycle and then it fuels it every damn day with the media and the information we consume. And so eventually it got to the point where I was below 100 pounds. And that is the only number I will ever share in my entire branding platform everything because I want to make a point here. Our system is so screwed up that, you know, it took me getting to be so small that my bones were protruding and my hair was thinning and I was below 100 pounds before I could even be like, seriously considered to have an eating disorder, right? It took that long before people could even take action. And this is not me blaming them. I hid it so well. I wore clothes that hid how small I was. They could not see the protruding bones. They could not see the mental chatter going on in my mind. They could not see the journals and the obsessions of me tracking everything I did and I ate. And that is why eating disorders go so undiagnosed. Because no one is looking close enough. They're not looking underneath the hood. They're not looking at our mind. They're just judging by a body. And that's just fucked up. <laughs> you know, it takes an extreme and an extreme to get the attention of others. And that's why so many of you listening, so many of us in general, struggle with this. Because there's this idea that an eating disorder means you are below a certain weight or you look a certain way or you did certain behaviors, but that is not true. Disordered eating in general is something that so many people struggle with, but we just don't think we classify for it, and thus we don't get help. Eating disorders are fundamentally a disease of the mind, and that is why someone can look perfectly fine and healthy on the outside, yet still be struggling silently. And the same goes for depression or anxiety, or suicidal thoughts. I mean, really, like, think on that. And that's why I'm always stressing the importance of mental and emotional health on this podcast, because I don't care how quote-unquote healthy you are physically. I don't care what you look like. If you don't take the effort to care for your mind and emotions, you know, shit can hit the fan real fast, fam. (laughs) Um, Sorry, that was like a mini rant, but I... Mm. you guys know if you listen, I'm passionate about that part. So back to my story here. Um, So once it became abundantly clear that I was not well, I was put in treatment. And, you know, it still gives me terror. I I feel like I still have a mental block up that doesn't allow me to fully think about that time because I hated it so much. Um, But I understand, you know, why my family did that. Uh, they had no better option. Like, what do you do in that instance? There's not a lot of resources. Now there's so much more. But back then, like, there was, there wasn't a lot. Um, Unfortunately, that treatment center did nothing but get me weight restored, which is obviously important. But, you know, and that is a big part. You know, I shouldn't say did nothing, but that's pretty much all it did. Um, But fundamentally, you know, it was just all a game. I knew that the faster I gained weight, the faster I could leave. And so I became the best little patient and got out in, like, record time. They were so proud of me. (laughs) But guess what? My eating disorder didn't go anywhere. It was running in my mind the whole time I was there. Every bite of food I forced myself to eat, every time I looked at my body, all the time, it was still running in my mind. And it only got worse when I returned home and felt so wrong in my quote-unquote like new body, right? Because I went in with one body and I came out like 25-30 pounds heavier. Like it was just, it was a big change and mentally I was not equipped for that. And so, you know, one takeaway though that it did give me is that I realized by being in treatment that my goals had gotten lost along the way. I had gotten to the point where it was more about losing the weight than it was about the obsession with health, right? And so my mind was like, ooh, let's grab onto that. And so I, I was no longer fascinated about being skinny after treatment or being the smallest I could be. I was just like obsessed with health now. I was like, I've got to be the healthiest I can be. And and that's when it all began. That's when my journey with orthorexia began from probably like 12 years old to 18, <laughs> I struggled with the more, what I like to call, mental side of eating disorders that was largely based on an obsession with health. So I no longer tracked calories, um, I no longer tracked how many calories I burned, but I was obsessed with with being quote-unquote healthy. And if you want a better idea of what orthorexia is, Listen to episode 88 with Jennifer Rowland, where, I mean, my mind was blown. Like, I was flabbergasted while recording and could hardly think of what to say. So, definitely listen to that. But I guess for an overview of my orthorexia, it was just being obsessed with clean ingredients. Always reading labels and only eating foods I made are super quote-unquote clean foods. Um, I avoided certain food groups. I still had moral values assigned to food. So that food was good and quote-unquote clean, and that food was bad, I would attach some label to it. Um, I was afraid of certain foods, you know, I had fewer foods, I would still restrict and then binge because, you know, (laughs) when you're obsessed with eating clean, that can oftentimes go hand-in-hand with restriction, Um, and you can still binge on quote-unquote healthy uh, baked goods, so I definitely had that struggle. Um, I was still exercise obsessed, like the list goes on and on. Orthorexia is a very wide term. I think it can include a lot of, a lot of struggles in it. And so during the, those years, I was just so consumed by that mental chess game that is an eating disorder. And I mean, you guys know, if you've ever dealt with this, it's constantly clouding your thoughts. It impacts your relationships, uh, your focus in school, how you view your body, your motivation, it can worsen depression and anxiety, uh, and it can cause serious physical health issues because your body is in a constant state of stress from either not eating enough, or over stressing, or over exercising, or withholding certain key food groups. And during those years, I drove my adrenals and my reproductive hormones into the ground. I didn't have a period for ten years. I was cold. I was moody. I couldn't sleep well, I would get joint pain and be super stiff, uh, that's when my gut issues all developed that I'm still battling today, I had thinning hair, like, the list goes on and on once more, and in those years, I would still, as I mentioned before, yo-yo between the restrict and binge cycle, uh, and I just wanted to share, like, an example, you know, I think sometimes a binge can have a certain, it can It can be very easy to write off, like, oh, I don't do that, right? Right? But I think there are minor instances of a restricted binge cycle that we sometimes don't allow ourselves to see. So an example for me was that I would always use school as an excuse to subconsciously restrict. I would pack very specific amounts of foods. They were mostly like plant-based, so not very high calorie. And since that was all I packed, that's all I could eat during the day. And you know, packing that in the morning, it's like, oh, I'll be fine. And then during the day, it's like, fuck, I'm hungry. But you don't, you, you don't allow yourself to eat, right? Because you're not, when you're in orthorexia, you can't just go and get food. I was obsessed with eating all my own food. And so it was subtle restricting throughout the day. And then at night, I'd come home, eat dinner, whatever. And then that night, I would let myself have dessert. And I would go all in, right? Like, the cookies, all the baked goods, I would go all in to the point where my stomach was ballooning, I was so stuffed, and I would feel so horrible, and the next day I would wake up, and that would be my motivation to work out in the morning before school, to pack a little bit less during the day, to work out when I got home after school, because subconsciously I felt guilt about the binge the night before, and I knew that that night I would allow myself to do it again so if you I share that because I know there's been a lot of people I talk on here about their binge struggles and I don't always relate but I think there are certain different circumstances of a restricted binge cycle like what I just shared that may relate to some of you that aren't aren't in it as deep as others that's how I'll put it I suppose and so that was my life During my struggle with orthorexia, which is still a very, you know, it's a very serious disordered eating habit and lifestyle be caught in and you're constantly afraid of foods and you're judging yourself and your body. You know, I was exercise obsessed and I wouldn't get to hang out with others. I would bring my own food everywhere. You know, I didn't like going out in public. I'd be caught in that restrict and binge cycle. Um, I was obsessed with certain sizes of clothing and certain shape of my body. And, you know, I didn't want to change and it really just took over my life. And that was just a big struggle. You know, looking back now, it's sad to think of all I missed, but, you know, you can't take, you can't rewind time. So no use dwelling on that too long. The most you can do is just remember to look forward, right? And that's, you know, when things started to shift and when I could finally start to look Forward and beyond disordered eating is basically the rest of my story. And it's what I've been sharing on Instagram and on this podcast since 2018. That's when I realized my own struggles with orthorexia by listening to podcasts on it. And that's when I started to work towards recovery. And here I am, two years later, still working through it. And I don't say that to be a Debbie Downer, I say that to be honest. This shit is not easy. It's really fucking hard. But my struggles today are nothing, absolutely nothing, compared to what I was going through two years ago, or even close to four years ago, and a whole galaxy away from six years ago. So this is my reminder to you, and myself, that this takes time. It takes baby steps one day at a time. And There's so many little things you can celebrate along the way. Every fear food you overcome, amazing. (laughs) Every time you choose rest over exercise, amazing. Every time you eat when your mind says not to, that's wonderful. Every time you choose what sounds good over what you think you should be eating, even better. Like there are so many milestones along the way that deserve to be celebrated because you deserve to be celebrated. You deserve to be free of this. You deserve to live your life to the fullest. You deserve to be accepted and happy and content just as you are without the voice of diet culture constantly chittering in your ear and impacting your life. And you can do it. I can do it. We all can sure as hell do it. And so that's my full story with some abridged parts for sure. (laughs) Otherwise, I'd be here forever. But still, like, that's been my path, and my current path looks hella different, but it's still a path of working towards more and more recovery, more and more freedom from diet culture. And I just hope this helps one of you identify a struggle or something you're going through and decide to work on it, because that's what, you know, my purpose is here on Earth and with the work I do is to act as a mirror and reflect back either through my own stories or the stories of the guests, so that you can identify, you can recognize and you can acknowledge something that you're working through and you can feel empowered and educated and inspired to take change. And so thank you for listening and please know I am always available to talk. Hit me up on Instagram at Emily Feichels or at Let's Thrive Podcast. I would love to discuss, talk with you. We can work through things together. Like, I am here for you all. That's why I do this time and time again. So thank you a lot, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.